I'm going to start with a little joke. These normally go well. Sometimes they don't. You can laugh anyway. Are there two men? They're walking through a field one day. They spot an enraged bull. I know I've told a joke like this before, but it's not the same one. This bull is at the other side of the field. Uh, so they dart towards the nearest fence. They are running and they are running. The storming bull is making hot pursuit afterwards after them. And it's very clear that they're not going to make it to the fence. And so one of the guys, he's terrified. He shouts to the other, quick, say a prayer. We're not going to make it. The other guy says, well, I've never prayed in public before. <laughs> he's running along. You have to. The bull's catching us. We're goners. All right, says John. I'm going to say the only prayer I know. Oh, Lord, for what we are about to receive, make us truly thankful. <laughs> well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And uh, I hope that you had a day you can be truly thankful for. Uh, as I said, my family uh, is new to Thanksgiving. It's not a holiday we celebrate in Australia. Uh, but we love the idea of stopping to remember uh, all of the ways that we've been blessed. And I do want to say that, um, church, you are part of how I've been blessed this year. Um, it was a blessing to, I've been here for two years in the States now. And for most of that time, this church building was closed and we had services online. So it's such a blessing to sit with you and to be with you and to praise God with you and, and to meet you. And I hope we're going to meet you more and more. Uh, for those of you who are uh, online or watching us in another way, so good to have you as part of our church family too. Um, so thank you to all of you. Now, um, you're going to have to th uh, forgive me for my Thanksgiving sermons for about the next 10 years or so, uh, because I'm still finding out things about Thanksgiving that you all learnt in grade school. But uh, here's what I learned this week, and I love this. It's a little bit of Thanksgiving history. Uh, it's from the first national Thanksgiving proclamation in 1779. It was 10 years before George Washington became the first president of the United States. And this was the proclamation that the, uh, what was it, the Senate? Congress. Congress wanted uh, him to say this to the American people. This is what George Washington said in 1779. There's a little bit of that quote on the back near the Bible verse. Both of the houses of Congress have requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God. Isn't that fantastic? So on this day of public thanksgiving and prayer, why don't we start by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God. Let me pray for us. Our Father, we are thankful for the ways that you have sustained us in this past year granting us life and peace and prosperity that many in this world would envy. We thank you for these blessings and many others. As we open your word now, would you speak to us and grow in us hearts that overflow with gratitude as those who've received so much from your generous hand. Lord, make us truly thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So how do you measure thankfulness? How do you measure thankfulness? Uh, when I was a child, my parents taught me to always say please and thank you. Um, it, was a, it was a very big thing in my household, say your pleases and your thank yous. So now when um, somebody doesn't say please or thank you, I always notice it. And, and I sort of, I want to pick them up for their rudeness. 
Uh, probably if your children don't say please or thank you, I'm going to tell them. I probably won't tell you. <laughs> is that a measure or is that how you measure thankfulness? Saying please and thank you. Saying the right words. Or is there something more to it? How do you measure genuine heartfelt thankfulness? Uh, well, come with me to the Bible passage that's printed on the back of the handout. It's from Luke chapter 17 and just eight verses. And it's a story where we see what genuine gratitude looks like. So let's read from verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So Jesus approaches this village, and there are ten men, and they all have leprosy. And they're crying out for healing. Uh, leprosy, you might know, is a bacterial disease. Um, it damages the nerves um, and skin in people who are infected with uh, leprosy. And this nerve damage can result in a lack of feeling. And so what happens oftentimes is lepers or people with leprosy will um, get an injury on their extremities, and they don't notice because they can't feel it, and that gets infected, and it Often it leads to gangrene and the loss of body parts and gross disfigurement of, of the face and, and the body. And Well, these days, leprosy can actually be cured. I don't know if you know that. Um, six to 12 months of multi-drug treatment, uh, multi-drug therapy, uh, and leprosy can be cured. But in the ancient world, leprosy was untreatable. Uh, it was believed to be highly infectious. Apparently, it's actually not as infectious as everybody thought, but we can also treat it. Leprosy was feared. People feared getting leprosy. And that's because lepers were banished from normal society. They were made to live in colonies, away from their families, away from the rest of the world, away from their children. They couldn't return to their homes. They couldn't go to the temple to worship. Uh, to be diagnosed with leprosy was to be destined to live on the edges of society, to live at a distance, as it says there in verse 13. Um, I think we all have a little bit of appreciation of social distance um, after the last a year and a half of the pandemic. But for those who suffered with leprosy, the social distance would never end. But there would be no return. They could never come back into regular society until Jesus. See, Jesus was their chance to undo the curse, uh, to end the distance. Jesus... Uh, would be the only one who could give them back their lives in a world where there was no cure for leprosy. Only God could remove this disease from their bodies. And they'd heard about Jesus and all of the different healings that he'd done. And so from a distance, they yell, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Verse 14, when Jesus saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were cleansed. Uh, now, I said before that when a person had leprosy, um, they weren't allowed to enter the temple to worship God. Uh, actually, it was the same for any person with a skin disease. And the normal way to be able to re-enter the temple worship was you presented yourself to the priest, and the priest looked at whatever was wrong with your skin, and, and if, if it had healed, then you were allowed to return to worship into the temple. Uh, that's why Jesus sent the lepers to the priests, and normally there would have been no point for a leper to go 
to the priests because leprosy was incurable. And the priests wouldn't have even allowed them to enter the courtyard. They weren't allowed to come in. They had to stay at a distance. But look again at verse 14. It says, as they went, they were cleansed. Could you imagine these 10 men? They would have showed up at the temple with their skins cleansed of leprosy. I, kind of, I think they probably wouldn't have even been able to recognize who they were. Their families probably wouldn't have recognized them. Their skin, which had been covered in lesions, was now smooth and soft. Their hands and feet marked by gnarled joints and unhealed wounds and perhaps partial amputations, now supple and whole and healed. Could you imagine? And their faces, which had been hidden for so long behind cloths, and now they'd be revealed, revealing the grin of those who've been given a second chance in life. Can you imagine those magic words from the priest? You are clean. And with those words, the men would have been free to go back home. They would have been free to go back to their families, back to the marketplace, back to work, back to the temple. Jesus gave them their life back. This was nothing short of a resurrection for them. They had a second chance at life. You can imagine how grateful they must have been, can't you? They must have been so grateful. So here's the surprise. Look what happens next. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. He was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to praise God except for this foreigner? And then he said to the man, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Where are the other nine? That's the question of the passage, isn't it? Where are the other nine? How is it that 10 people experience a life-changing healing and only one out of 10 returns to say thank you? How can we make sure that we don't become one of the nine? It all comes back to thankfulness. So what does thankfulness look like? Um, well, in verse 15, we see the actions of the man who returned. Uh, and I think there are three aspects to his thankfulness that we do well to notice. The first is this, the man comes back. None of the other nine came back, did they? Um, they just took Jesus' gift and they kept on walking. They never looked back to say thank you. They never turned back. They never wrote a card. They never, they never sent flowers. They just got on with their lives. Jesus healed them and they never gave him a second thought. Thankfulness looks back. And thankfulness is all about remembering the good things that have happened in your life and acknowledging them, bringing them to mind, um, dwelling on the blessings that we've received. Um, do you know modern science uh, recognizes the benefit of practicing thankfulness in this way? Um, Psychology Today published research, there's actually lots of research out there, but this particular article um, said that uh, gratitude improves our physical health, uh, it improves our psychological health, uh, it helps us sleep better. Gratitude helps us to have empathy for other people. Gratitude reduces our aggression because we're thankful for the person. We're not just cranky with them. Uh, it also means that we are open to more relationships when you value thankfulness in others rather than resentment. Practicing thankfulness even helps you live longer. And there's lots of studies that show that. So an attitude of gratitude is good for us. Um, so practice thankfulness. Um, there are plenty of books written about practicing thankfulness. There's uh, one called The Gratitude Project. 
uh, that I've read, uh, there are lots of others, they're all really the same. They just say, take a moment every day. Stop every single day, take a moment, and remember at least one of the good things that's happened to you today. One of the ways that you can be thankful. Uh, perhaps you write in a journal, uh, perhaps uh, you do it another way in my household. Um, normally at the end of the night when all the kids are ready to go to bed, um, we normally stop and we share one thing that we're thankful for that day. What are you thankful to God for today? And then we pray about it. Um, we've actually stopped doing it in the last month or so. I'm not quite sure why, but uh, I'm looking at Joe and she says, look at me, you're the head of the house. Um, <laughs> and it squared, falls squarely on me. We should start doing it again because gratitude is good for us, good for my family, the same as it's good for yours, good for my health as much as it's good for yours. Gratitude starts with coming back and returning your mind to all of the ways that you've been blessed and counting those blessings. Uh, so that's the first lesson. Looking back is the first step to thankfulness. The second lesson that the passage teaches us about practicing thankfulness is praise God. Um, so the leper who returned, he didn't just uh, come back, but he returns acknowledging the source of his blessing in verse 15. When he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. Now, I suspect I'm preaching to the choir here, uh, but I'm going to say it anyway. This passage reminds us that God is behind every good blessing that we receive in this lifetime. God is behind them all. Right from the very first chapter of the Bible where God blessed Adam and Eve and he said, be fruitful. God has been pouring out blessing upon blessing on every generation ever since. Even those who are like the nine and fail to return, God still sustains them. God still causes the sun to rise upon them and, and the rain to fall on them. He still watches them in their coming and their going. He still loves them like a parent loves a child. Even when your children have gone off the rails, he still loves them like parents love their kids. God is a God who loves to bless. Now, many people never acknowledge God as the source of their blessing. Uh, but for us sitting here today, may it never be so. Because the Bible reminds us on page after page of all of the ways that our loving creator is still at work in our lives, uh, in small ways and in large. So how do we bring praise, of, uh, praise to God into our thankfulness? Um, well, I think the Bible shows us three ways. And um, this is, by the way, if, you're, if you like to write essays, this is a problem. You should never do three subpoints under a big point, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, real quickly, I think there's three ways. You remember who God is, you remember what he's done, and you remember what he's promised to do. Um, that is, if you're a visual person, you look up and remember who he is, you look back at the past, and you look ahead at what he's going to do. So looking up, what does the Bible say about God and who he is? Uh, well, Psalm 145 is this amazing psalm. It's, it describes God as the king, as the Lord. He's the great uh, He's majestic in, in glorious splendor. He is righteous. He is good. He is gracious. He is compassionate. He is slow to anger. He's rich in love and he's good to all. That's all in like five verses. Psalm 145. Verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Uh, there's a worship song by um, a Elevation. Uh, recently it's called I Will Look Up. And the chorus says, I will look up for there is none above you. I'll look up for there's none above you. We, we praise God because we recognize him as the high and holy authority over all, sovereign and loving. 
song goes on. It says, I will look back and I will see that you are faithful. I will look ahead believing that you are able. See, when we look back, we remember what God has done in the past. That was already the first key to thankfulness, wasn't it? Remembering all the good things that have already happened. The Bible is a, a, a whole book reminding us of God's goodness and how he's acted in the past. We've got 4,000 years of history recorded for us in the Bible reminding us of God's faithfulness to his people and his faithfulness to his promises. So from creation to the escape from Egypt through the Red Sea to the, to the promised land, the Bible is this story of God blessing those who belong to him. Even when their hearts go astray, he keeps blessing. Even when their sin is unrestrained, God still loves those he created. And so he sends his own son, Jesus, into the world to rescue humans from their sin, to rescue us from our sin, to rescue us from ourselves. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. He, he laid down his life. He laid down his life to deal with the consequences of our own sinfulness and to bring forgiveness for all of the mistakes that we've made, whether they're mistakes or whether they're a little bit more deliberate. Jesus wants to forgive you from all of those. He'll bring healing to your hurting. He brings healing to you and me. So we look back, we see that he's faithful, and we look ahead knowing that he's able. We believe that he's able. Able, that is, to bring us into eternal life, from death into life that lasts forever. Because that's the ultimate promise of God, isn't it? Um, the promise is that this life is not all that there is, that there is something beyond the grave, something beyond this world with all of its beauty and all of its pain, that there is something more, and Jesus is the key to that promise. Because the cross is not the end of the story, is it? It's not the end of the story of God's love. The cross doesn't end with Jesus dead and buried. His bones don't cry out from under the ground to us. No, the cross didn't end that way. It ends with an empty tomb and Jesus raised to new life. And the promise of the Bible is that one day our story will also end with an empty tomb and us brought to new life, raised eternal, just like Jesus was. And Jesus is the proof of the pudding. He went first and will follow if we follow him by faith. So come back to our passage then, back to the man with leprosy. The day that he was healed, he experienced a taste of what his resurrection would be like. He was taken from death to life. He was taken from falling apart to fully healed. He's no longer separated from his family, but now surrounded by them. Isn't that the story you want for yourself? That's the story I want. Surrounded by love, healed and whole. He came back and he praised God for what he'd done for him. Well, that's the second big idea, praising God. The last idea, the third and final, we see about practicing finalness, uh, sorry, practicing thankfulness, it's in verse 16. At verse 16, this man came back and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. Uh, I love those videos of kids opening Christmas presents. I think they're one of my favorites. And whether the kid likes the present or not, um, there's often some great reactions. So there's a video of this little boy who opens a Christmas present and it's a great big box and on it it says PlayStation. It's a video console. Anyway, he opens the box and he pulls out stuffing. It's not a PlayStation. It's like a yo-yo or something. And this kid just bursts into tears and he throws himself on the ground and he howls. And that's some kind of cruel parenting. I'm hoping there was a place, I'm hoping the PlayStation was somewhere else in the house. 
you don't see part two of the video. There's another video of a kid who opens a box. Actually, the box is kind of rattling a little bit, and it's a puppy. And this little girl just, the, the, the tears fill the eyes, and she just weeps, and she hugs the puppy, and she looks at her parents, and she says, thank you. But it's this whole body reaction, isn't it? You know, when we're truly moved by something, it, it really takes our whole body. It, it, uh, one of my teachers used to say that the body never lies. And this leper, he's truly moved by what Jesus did for him. He throws himself at Jesus' feet and he thanks him. It reminds me of another story in the Bible where this woman, this sinful woman who knows she's been forgiven, she cries tears of joy on Jesus' feet. And then she uses her hair to wipe his feet dry. She's, she's so overwhelmed with gratitude. This is a wholehearted, whole body reaction to Jesus. And this is where our third and final lesson about thankfulness comes from. It's about recognizing that our blessings, they don't just come from the universe vaguely. Um, they're not just something that an invisible being or an invisible deity pours down upon us as part of our spiritual connection with all of creation. No, our blessings, are, they're tied up with God who comes in flesh. Our blessings are tied up with this flesh and blood savior. Someone whose veins flow with the same blood that ours do. Our God is not distant. He's not impersonal. He's stepped into our world and he's stepped into our place. He died the death that we ought to have died so we can live a life that we ought never to have deserved. Jesus shows us who God is. And he shows us what our life could be if our life was perfected. In fact, he shows us what our life will be like one day when perfection comes in the new creation. I imagine if we understood even the half of what eternal life would be like, every single one of us would fall down in tears at the feet of Jesus, like a kid with a new puppy. We would shed tears of joy. We would sell everything we had to receive this gift that's been promised to us, like the people who looked for the buried treasure. So the key to thankfulness is not just remembering the good things in your life. It's not just praising God but thankfulness brings both of those aspects together in the person of Jesus Christ the key to thankfulness is coming back to Jesus it's coming back to Jesus and praising him and thanking him with every fiber of your being because Jesus is where true blessing is found Jesus he's not just a historical figure he's the image of the invisible God he's the one who holds all things together he's the one who will meet on the day that we die we'll meet him as our judge and if we know him, we'll meet him as the one who redeems us. Jesus is the key to thankfulness. That's why our mission here at Yonkville Community Church is to share the hope of Jesus in the Napa Valley and beyond. We want people to find life and happiness in Jesus. So this Thanksgiving, what will you be thankful for? Let's pray. Father Almighty, as I look back on your work in my life over the years, I cannot help but be overcome with gratitude for your mercy and providence. You've blessed me and us with Christian family and friends. You've given us a place to serve your people. Forgive us, Lord, for often failing to thank you. Forgive us for the times that we've tried to write the story of our own life apart from your will. Our stubborn will and relentless pride stands in the way of following in the footsteps of your son, and yet you've redeemed and renewed us. You've taken away our guilt and shame. Help us to live in light of your work in us remembering who we are in Christ and trusting in you to carry on the work you've begun in us. Thank you for saving us and keeping us in your love.
In Jesus' name, amen.